There was, I mean, months where I actually had a really hard time getting out of bed. And I just couldn't see through the fog of it just feeling like every single thing in my life had been taken away from me. Um, And of course, because I had this backbone of believing that this too will pass, and I had that in the the back of my mind and just my faith that transcends my understanding, um, that gave me those glimmers of joy that I could find every single day if it was like one second. And it could be like walking to the mailbox and like feeling the sunshine on my face and for like five seconds feeling the warmth of that and being like, okay, that was my moment today. That was my like five second moment of joy in the midst of all this. And it doesn't make any of the darkness go away. And it doesn't like solve any of these problems. But for five seconds, I was able to witness the warmth of the sunshine on my face. And that's enough to get me through today. This is such an honor for everyone watching and listening. We are here with Alexis Jones. She is an activist, a speaker. You were a contestant on Survivor. You've been on Oprah's list of Super Soul 100. She's spoken at the White House at, I don't even, like there's a whole list. The White House, the UN, Harvard, Stanford, Google, Facebook. You're just incredible. But most of all, what I am excited to highlight today is you are the author of a new book that just came out this summer called Joy Hunter. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that book? Let's just dive right in. Let's hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Basically, I I always joke like around dinner tables when they're like, oh, you wrote a book. What's it about? And I always say it's a story of everything going terribly wrong all at the same time um, and all the beauty and joy that exists not only on the other side of that, but in the midst of all of that. So yeah, it's a it's a lot of heartbreak and um, hopefully um, also really heartful. So you get into a lot of the details about this tipping point in your life. So I would love for everyone listening to hear about that tipping point and kind of just a synopsis of what you discovered through that. Yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, so much of my life as a public speaker is, you know, someone goes through and reads this like very sophisticated bio. As you mentioned, they like cherry pick these like amazing things. And for the majority of my life, I really lived for those bullet points. Um, And I think that really the story is about a girl who spent her entire life accumulating all of these shiny, impressive stars. And then what happens when everything falls apart? And it was COVID happened. So it was my entire career. I had 150 events on the calendar for 2020 that all got canceled within, I think, a calendar work week. Um, So it was my entire career, my entire income. Um, We'd been trying to get pregnant for years. We finally got pregnant. We ended up losing the baby. And then I was doing a big speaking tour with Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach. And Ancestry.com was our main corporate speaker or sponsor, excuse me. And I ended up finding out unintentionally that my dad was, in fact, not my biological father. So it was just like every single thing that I'm like, no, 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 but this this is how I define myself. Like, it's my career and it's my getting, you know, getting shit done and being really proud of being, you know, kind of a a type A. Um, and then everything that was out of my control um, just kind of started falling apart. Yeah, I was reading sadly i have not read your book yet but now it's top on my list but i was reading these things and it was like one after the other i was like 
how is this woman even getting by? And so tell everyone, how did you get by? What did you do out of this crumbling situation? Yeah, I actually I hit the eject button on life. And at the time, our my husband and my our best friend was going through uh, his own heartbreak for his own reasons. And because it was early COVID and it was shelter in place, we kind of were like, we got to get out of here. Like everything, (laughs) our entire lives are burning down. And so we ended up renting an RV. And at the time, we didn't even know if we'd be able to go across one state line, much less we, you know, kind of had this like very random tentative game plan that we were going to travel around the country and just kind of leave everything behind. Um, So that began this journey of unintentional healing. And I think that of when everything kind of falls apart, it's a really great kind of place to rebuild. And so for me, it, it in the book talks about this crazy journey of us traveling around the country and um, me picking up all the pieces, all the broken pieces of my heart. Um, and really the main takeaway was recognizing that every single day there was a glimmer of, of hope and of joy that existed even in the midst of all of our heartbreak. Um, and we, one of the many places we stopped in was Bozeman, Montana, which I don't admit this to locals here in Montana, but we had started watching Yellowstone with Kevin Gosner. And we were like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And then we got here and we were like, oh my goodness, it's even more beautiful in real life. When locals asked me, because it's like, there's been this huge infusion of people um, from out of town because of the show. And we're like, what show? Kevin who? Um, but really, you it try was, and act all cool. <laughs> oh, we totally try not cool. Like we have no idea. We've never watched it. We don't we watched every episode multiple times. I love um, but we got to Montana and we actually didn't know it was possible to be even more beautiful in real life. So before we even got the RV back to Texas, which is where my husband and I were like homegrown Austin kids, um, I had already rented an Airbnb and we thought it would be for a month. And then 11 months later, we were still in Montana. And my husband was like, quick question. Did you move to Montana? Like, is that an option in marriage? Um, and long story short, three years later, um, my husband and I moved here full time and our best friend moved here with us full time, which is so cool. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it really is a bit of serendipity in all of it. What a journey. I, I just found it so inspiring as I'm also quite a perfectionist. I struggled with it my whole life. And a, a thought that runs through my head a lot is like, well, if I'm not perfect, then what am I? And I yeah. feel like it was so inspiring to me because you went through this journey of figuring out exactly what you were. Other That was completely the opposite of perfect. It was just like your raw self. So what did you discover? Who were you actually aside from this perfect, you know, A-plus student and A-plus career woman? Who was Alexis? Oh, God, such a good question. And I just like I relate to that so much when you talk about being a perfectionist. And like, I think that haunting feeling of being ordinary, I think, was probably the like monster that was like always hidden in my closet, like always seemed to be chasing me. Um, And the amazing thing was because I hid behind all these masks of impressive accomplishments um, that once all those masks kind of started getting taken away to your point I found out that I'm a daughter and a sister and a really good friend and that eventually I would get to become the mother of my son Bridger that I realized that like who I am 
not necessarily what I do and what I do for a living and the goals and the dreams and the huge mountains that I climb. And like, that's just stuff I do. But like the essence of who we are and especially who we are in relationship, who we love and who we allow to love us, like that became like the meat and potatoes of who I am. And that is actually more impressive for any of us, right? It's exponentially more impressive of who we are, who we are and how hard we love those around us, um, more so than like anything that could get added to my Wikipedia page. I love that. I love it because I they're just such a perfect fit for this podcast because the whole goal, like I focus on people's careers and what they do, but what I find really interesting is like the advice and the words and the experiences that we all share as human beings that are so outside of just what we do for work and the amount of followers we have on social media. And we just, we get lost in that because the only thing we really get accolades for nowadays, I feel like are those external things. No one's like, wow, you're a great daughter, except for like your mom, you know? Yeah, of course. Of course. No, I love that. And like how refreshing to have a place where we are seen for the things that actually matter. And I agree. I, it feels like there's so much distraction and so much consumption um, that we forget, like, again, the parts that actually matter. Like, and I mean, I think maybe yeah. we get this in like the wisdom of like growing old, right? Because you always hear like yeah. older people, like significantly older people, like borderline, like deathbed ages where they're like, you can't take any of it with you. You know, and all of a sudden you realize like that it does. I don't know why I just turned into like an old, old lady. From New <laughs> it was York. great. That was but, um, you know, just this idea that they are so clear at the end of their life on like that dash between the year they were born and the year that they die, that there is something so crystal clear at the end of life of all the stuff that actually matters. It's almost like all the noise gets canceled. And you realize that the handful of people sitting in your room in the last days of your life is the only thing, is the only measure of success in this lifetime is the return on investment of the people that you loved and the people that are sitting in that room with you and holding your hand and saying it's okay to let go. And I think the fact that you have a space where we at a younger age are able to be reminded and edified around those things that like are the points of this human experience, um, as opposed to all the distraction and all the ego and all the external validation to like turn the dial of that noise down a little bit to just be a reminder. I'm so grateful. That's why I meant it when we first started. I was like, I'm so honored to be That's on so your nice. podcast because you're having such important conversations, I think, for all of us right now. Oh, that's very sweet. And that was a profound message and leads perfectly into the question of the show, can't wait to hear your answer. But what is the best advice you would say you've ever gotten? Oh, gosh. Um, my mom told me at a really young age, and I know it's, it's, it's pretty common, but the phrase, this too will pass. And I think oftentimes we hear that phrase with regard to hard circumstances, like things that are challenging heartbreak or disappointment or not making the volleyball team or not getting into the sorority or the university or not getting the job. Um, like this too will pass, like your heartbreak will pass. But I actually think her intention is that everything will pass. Like the minute that you've summited the mountain, the minute that you've just won the biggest award of your entire life, the minute that, you know, like you're getting all the giggles in like from your new son, like 
that too will pass. And it actually, to me, it was tethered to the sacredness of time. Like that is the most valuable asset that any one of us have. And it is the most leveling of the playing field that every single person is working from a 24-hour day standpoint. Um, And there's nothing that is more generous that we can offer someone than our presence. And so I think it was such a reminder of the fragility and sacredness and preciousness of time. And that regardless, whether you are soaring or whether you are face planting, that inevitably everything passes. So you got to soak it up. I love that. When you were going through all of these tremendously difficult things like miscarriage and (laughs) the news about your father and just so many difficult things, it probably felt like it was not going to pass. Was there like a moment you can remember where you're like, oh, that changed? Or I'm assuming not. Maybe there was. But what was that journey like of it passing? Yeah, I think that for me in my lifetime, that combination of what felt like what I referred to in the book is like tiny apocalypses, like one after another after another. And it almost felt like for anyone who's like ever surfed or attempted, I'm saying that as a Texan, (laughs) right? Who's ever attempted to surf, that every now and again, when you're out there and Mother Nature just wants to remind you who the real Alsa is, and it's like one wave after another, and you can just like barely catch your breath. Um, that period of time for me was definitely like the darkest pitch black hole I ever felt like I was in. So to your point, I think that I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel at the time. And at the same time, I mean, one of the most courageous, generous things my husband ever offered me was sitting in the darkness with me. And I think that when someone is really in it, when, you know, like you said, whether it's heartbreak or whether it's a miscarriage or whether it's betrayal or like there's so many ways to just like really feel disappointed by life. And I'm very, very conscious to never try to speed up someone's anguish and grieving by saying like, well, you know, like cliches, like give it to God. Um, or like the sun will come out again, or like this too will pass. Like there's a time and place for inspiration, but whenever they're like cliche lines, I think for the person experiencing that moment, it can actually just feel super invalidating. Like they're not entitled to just sit in the darkness because I think part of that cocooning is how we protect ourselves. It's how we actually end up healing. Um, so for me at the time, that was like the most painful, darkest period of my life. And it was very hard for me. And again, I just try to be like radically honest about it because I think too often we're like, man, that was really hard. But then, you know, I was able (laughs) to see the rainbow and I'm just like, that's not helpful. And especially for someone who's like really in it right now, it's not helpful to like speed up the process um, and the timeline of grieving. So for me, there was, I mean, months where I actually had a really hard time getting out of bed. And I just couldn't see through the fog of it just feeling like every single thing in my life had been taken away from me. Um, And of course, because I had this backbone of believing that this too will pass, and I had that in the the back of my mind and just my faith that transcends my understanding, um, that gave me those glimmers of joy that I could find every single day if it was like one second. And it could be like walking to the mailbox and like feeling the sunshine on my face. And for like five seconds, feeling the warmth of that and being like, okay, that was my moment today. That was my like five second moment of joy in the midst of all this. And it doesn't make any of the darkness go away. And it doesn't like solve any of these problems. But for five seconds, I was able to witness 
the warmth of the sunshine on my face. And that's enough to get me through today. Um, so for me, it was a very like practical. Could I literally find one tiny little like firefly in the midst of the darkness? I love what you said, too, about your husband just like sitting with you through it. I think that a lot of times we when we ourselves or other people are going through hard times, we want so badly to say something that will help or do something that will help. And maybe that's our own egos, honestly, feeling like there's something we could say or do to help those people when in reality, maybe they just need us there. Yeah, that was one of the biggest revelations that came out of that. And honestly, it was the help of an incredible therapist. Because initially, my husband was like, babe, he's like Captain, like optimistic pants, right? He is like the sunniest, most joyful. His like default setting is like, hey, I got air in my lungs and it's a blue sky. It's gonna be a great day. And I'm like, the sky's falling, you know? So it's like, <laughs> we're opposites. Um, but it was actually in a therapy session where, to your point, I felt like he kept trying to give me pep talks. Like, it's okay, babe. Like, we're gonna try again. And like, it's gonna work. I promise we're gonna figure it out. And at the time, in a therapy session, as he was kind of trying to, like, give me this pep talk, um, the therapist was actually so helpful in saying, like, Brad, what she really needs is, like, someone who can just sit in the discomfort of her darkness with her. Can you just sit next to her? Can you just hold her hand? And it was, like, this very, like, movie dramatic moment. (laughs) And she was like, can you say nothing and just hold your wife's hand? And look her in the eyes and just be present with her where she's at right now. And of course, he like leans over, like holds my hand, like looks me in the eyes. And then we both just start bawling because I don't think that I had realized that in his pet talks, it was unintentionally shaming me of what I was feeling. And that really, to your point of like, is it ego? Um, Maybe, but maybe it's also just our own discomfort with our own darkness with like the feelings from a really young age that we're told like you should be happy all the time or you should, you know, all the like, I just think there's a lot of pressure to like not be in like the darker emotions of like sadness and depression and anxiety and overwhelm. And I really think the kindest thing that we can do to your point is when someone is in their own darkness I'm not trying to speed it up and not trying to like drag them back into the sunshine, but just saying, hey, can I sit next to you? Like what you shared, like, God, that seems really hard. Do you want to tell me like, do you want to do you want to talk about it? Do you want to tell me more about it? And if you don't, that's fine. Can I just sit here with you? Can I just sit here and watch TV with you? We don't even have to say anything. Can I just hold your hand? Can I just hug you? Can I just like be here with you? Um. That was like one of the best tools our therapist ever taught us. And now when I'm upset, you know, Brad can say like, it sounds like you're really upset. Can I just be with you? And it is one of the kindest. I mean, if there is like marital advice, you know, partnership advice to have that kind of um, depth to be able to offer someone space to be exactly where they are at. Um, I really think is one of the kindest things that we can do for anyone. That is so beautiful. I I love that. I I want to ask about if that quote and that sentiment as well has applied to your life before this major tipping point. You also had this incredible career and you were hyper acclaimed and hyper busy and which actually success and the busyness isn't isn't an equation. They don't equate each other. But 
did you feel at various times throughout that like what was there moments where you needed to remind yourself this too shall pass what were the struggles there yeah that's a great question um i think that that wisdom of that statement came later to me in life i think to your point i was so hyper focused almost to the degree that i was incapable of being present like everything yeah. for me existed in the future Everything was like one more mountain to summit, one more company to found, one more illustrious speaking engagement to do. Like everything was looking in the future and every like nothing was ever enough. And I think that is part of the insatiable appetite of our ego is that when we are searching outside of ourselves for worth and confidence and self-love, um, we will never find it. And like, that is like the massive lesson I learned. So this too will pass. I don't even, I think it was one of those seeds that my mom planted when I was much younger, but I think it didn't really root and grow into like this huge, beautiful tree that now exists in the garden of my life until much later in life. Because I think I was living very externally. Everything existed outside of myself, um, which is a really scary place to be because I think the praise is as equally dangerous as the criticism because then you start to believe it, right? You start to care yeah. like strangers are commenting on your social media that have never met you, that probably will never meet you. And you're allowing like their word, whether they're like, girl, you're amazing. I can't believe no. Or if they're like, you're self-absorbed, nobody cares. You know, like regardless, like the weight I was putting on these external accomplishments, um, like I said, it just became insatiable. So at the end of the day, before you know it, which obviously I talk about in the book is I was on the road 250 days a year, like speaking and doing like, that's why when you're like, how did you do all these things? It's like, cause I didn't have a real life. Like I was just like hunting for gold stars, but who I was as a daughter and as a wife and as a sister and as a friend, I was shitty at all of those because I was prioritizing things that could be read off in a bio that seemed impressive to strangers more than I cared about, like calling my best friend to check on her and see how our kids were doing. Um, I had a lot yeah. of making up to do in the relationships of my life when I realized the irony that they were, in fact, the greatest treasure in my life. And it was the thing I was taking the most for granted. And that was a big, humbling life lesson back to the idea of like what actually matters um, that's the stuff that matters to me now is like remembering my niece's birthday. You know, things that seem like can seem trivial when your entire world is how many followers you have. Um, but yeah. I did had an inverse. I just had an inverse of priorities. Um, and now I'm really clear about the things that matter the most and the things that don't matter at all. That's a, a beautiful growth story that you have that I think, do you think, I mean, yeah. Do you think that would have happened if you hadn't hit this tipping point in your life? Mm -hmm. Do you think you would have just kept going? hundred percent. Yeah. For like, me, you, like, you don't like, remember feeling like pain one time, like, oh, like this doesn't feel right to me. Like it really took these big events. For me, absolutely took these big events because by the so way, did I feel the pain every day? Every day I felt the pain. Oh. And I mean, very, very tangible physical pain in my body that was like phantom pain. Because I think that our body is, an, is the ultimate truth teller. And I think that yeah. when we run our bodies so hard and so fast for so long, and 
we're so out of alignment in our life with the things that actually matter that our body is screaming at us as an advocate on behalf of our soul to get us back on track. So the physical pain, like literally in my neck and in my back, not to mention the like fear of fraudulency, like all of these things, every alarm was going off in my body. And again, I think for me, because I so compounded the concepts of my ego in the things that I did for a living to be synonymous with my worst, that it felt like an ego at death, right? If I let go of all these things, of all of these shiny, impressive stars, then who am I without them? Nobody. Well, and if you've built an entire life on all the impressive things you've done, then it feels like death. And it took, thank God, a divine intervention of everything going up in flames. Because at that point, I had a fresh canvas. And I was able to create something that was more true, more authentic, more, you know, rooted in, in the things, as we've talked about, that really matter in life. I, I, was, I feel like I was given a do-over. And it was like, if we burn everything down in your life and you get to start over, how would you rebuild your house? And I was able to build it on a foundation that was sustainable. I had built a house on sand and, you know, a house of cards. <laughs> Everything was falling apart. Yeah. Um, and by the way, it also doesn't mean that I don't still have like enormous, audacious dreams. They just mean something different to me. Um, and I think that's been a really interesting distinction because I don't think it's about like, well, and now I don't have a job. <laughs> I used to define myself by what I do for <laughs> Now I don't jump out of planes and I don't swim with sharks and I don't hike big mountains. I'm like, no, 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 I still do all of that. It just has a rightful place in the priorities of my life of how I allow that to impact who I am as a person. I still love doing all of that stuff. Um, It's just done with a different level of weight. What advice would you give to someone who feels like their worth right now is entirely rooted in what they do? I would ask them to go have a conversation with the people who love them the most and ask them what it is about them that matters. And it's not going to be any of the things that you can bullet on a bio. They're going to be like, oh, I like how you like laugh at my stupid jokes. And I like how I can like sit in a room with you and we don't even feel like we have to talk. Or I, I love how out of nowhere you just like walk up to me and like hug me or how you bake me my favorite cookies when you know that I'm set like it's gonna be all these like micro things that like you don't think matter but it's actually the stuff that people are gonna talk about at your funeral like those are the things the stories like those things that feel invisible in a society that like programs us to believe that all of our worth is built on external validation that that's actually the stuff that's important so for anyone who's like oh shoot I feel like I'm chasing gold stars I'm like, dude, go hang out with your nephew. See what he loves about you. Go talk to your mom. You know, you were like, all of our moms, like, I feel like think we're like the best daughter ever. But like now, like when my whole house of cards fell apart and I got to start over, I just went and had really quality time with the people who love me the most. And I said, what, why, why do you love me? Like, it's, it's not because I like found companies and like spoke at the White House. No one mentioned a single thing about like the things I accomplished in my life. It was all these tiny little things that like, that's the stuff? That's why you love me? Because I remember to text you on your birthday 
because I knew that your dad just passed away and I'm like one of three people who called you to check on you and not just in the first week, but like six months later, like, I don't know. I think that that is the stuff that makes up the life of who we are, especially when our time here is over. Absolutely. I think that's also a great point that we could all keep in mind as friends and as people is to highlight the things other than outside accomplishments that we love about people. Like, I think it's kind of a lazy thing that we do when we're introducing someone. Like, I do it all the time. It's like, this is my friend so-and-so. He or she, they do this, you know? And I just, like, equate it to, like, their job. But I feel like the more you do that, then the more that person's confidence becomes fueled in that title or in that accomplishment that everyone talks about. And like unknowingly, then you can be fueling that really weak sense of confidence in someone. So I feel like it's a good thing for us to keep in mind when we communicate with people and about people, focus on the things that matter, the things that like really they provide value to the world. I love that. And I think it's also very revealing about our values in how we describe people and much like I like always did that I was like oh my gosh so and so like oh she founded this company and they IPO'd at this point and and everything was always Mm. their goal and now when I introduce friends I'm like oh this is so and so my favorite thing about her is every single time my best friend in the whole world every single time I call 99.9% of the time she answers the phone like, do you know what that's like to have a friend who that's like amazing. 99% of the, even if she's like, hey, sorry, I'm, I'm dropping off my two so, like and this, but like, I'll call you right back. And I'm like, I don't know if there's a better quality in a person who says every time that your name comes up on my phone, I want to talk to you and I want to hear what's going on in your life and I'm going to answer. Um, and yes, she has done all of these incredible things that I could also point to. But I think like, I don't know, it, it's a really good point and a really great thing to be aware of. Of how do we value yeah. people? How we do? How do we describe them to other people? Because again, I think it's very revealing about the things that we value. I just know from personal experience, like I have this Instagram account, and I always get really flattered when people bring it up, and I understand why they do. But sometimes I also like, like, shirk when people are like, "Oh, she started this Instagram account," because I'm like, "Well, like, what if that Instagram account went away? You know, like, what if I don't want to do it anymore? Or what if I lose all my followers? Like." I think it's very comforting to people to know that there are things about them that can never change that yeah. you will love and appreciate. And I just, I think that's something we can all really keep in mind. I love that, especially with social media. Cause by the way, like I always joke that, like, what if tomorrow, like it all just went away? Like for whatever reason, yeah. like what if Which it could bankrupt and everything went away? And then everyone who had yeah. built this life off the perception, right, of followers had none. Like, yeah, then to your point, who would they be and how would they feel about themselves? And I think being able to kind of like differentiate. So like, yes, that is one component. You have built this incredible community that is so grateful. I can imagine that you're putting out this really authentic content. And that is one piece of the pie of like what you're doing and who you are. But there have to be like that's that could be like five percent. But what's the other 95 percent of where you're yeah. sourcing a sense of self and confidence? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't think that we're taught to think of ourselves that way, of how do we actually build a healthy confidence for ourselves? And where do we get, you know, appropriate validation? Like, of course, I want validation for my best friends. Like when my book came out, I was like, I'm not going to read any of the reviews from strangers because again, like whatever. 
And by the way, there were some really mean reviews, like horrible, oh. like your worst nightmare of a review. There was those because, of course, I ended up oh, lancing at them. Um, but you know what mattered more? That my best friends and my siblings and my parents like texted me the day that the book launched and was like, I love you and I'm so proud of you. Because you know what? They actually know how much work went into it. They actually know yeah. how brave it was to be so vulnerable about things that our society doesn't talk about. Like, they actually know me and are in the arena of my life. They're not in the stands, like, you know, throwing like rotten fruit at me. Um, so, yeah, I do. I, I think being able to diversify how we value ourselves and where we're sourcing validation really is kind of the um, that impacts our life more than anything else. Absolutely. Your whole story reminds me of a quote that I like. I should know who said it, but I don't. But the quote is, rock bottom teaches you lessons that mountaintops never will. And I've always loved that quote. It reminds me of your story, but I would love to know if you have a favorite quote or a mantra or something that you kind of live by. Yeah. Um, And again, I don't know who wrote this. I don't even know if this is accurate, but um, just the whole notion of like you get knocked down seven times, get up eight. I think that there's something about that resilience and that faith and that grit and that humility um, to just get back up. And sometimes, by the way, it's like you're seeing stars and you're like wobbling and can barely stand and you're like missing teeth and have a black eye. I don't know. Like, but just the idea that you have the guts to get back up, I think is pretty remarkable. And that's something that I try to, and by the way, sometimes it's like, you know, an entire tribe of people helping you up. It's like, you don't even have to get up by yourself, but are you just willing to get back up? Um, Because I think especially when it comes to heartbreak, it's really easy to shut down. And it's really easy to close your heart and to justify it because heartbreak is the worst. Um, And being willing to stand back up and like put your heart back out there, I think there is nothing braver in the whole world. Um, Because people are so imperfect and love is so imperfect. Um, and the idea that you're willing to get back out there and open yourself back up, knowing that, um, heartbreak is inevitable in so many different shades. Um, but yeah, I think that's the bravest thing in the whole world. So beautiful. So beautiful. Okay. Last question, because I just want to hear your answer. What advice would you give to someone who is looking to find true joy in their lives? I think the advice I would give is despite what you think, it forever exists at all times. And we have to train ourselves to look for it. Um, yesterday, for instance, I saw a woman who's had a stroke and she isn't able to speak. And she walks past my house every single day. And she had a hard time walking. And um, I always wave at her every single day. And the other day I was crossing the street and I saw a younger woman just walk up to her and literally take her hand, like just took her hand and squeezed her hand and smiled at her, knowing that she couldn't speak back, knowing that and and turned around and walked off. And I saw this woman's face light up with so much appreciation and love and validation. And those tiny, almost invisible moments exist every single day that we can witness like the goodness and the altruism and the love and the kindness of people um we just have to literally train our eye 
to hear it almost like a frequency. We have to train our ears to hear it. We have to train our eye to see it. Um, so I think my bit of advice would be in the midst of the deafening noise of distraction that we exist in today, of uh, focusing on witnessing these like perfect tiny moments that exist every day. Alexis, thank you so much. I am going to redo my intro based on our conversation and say that we spoke with Alexis Jones today. She is a mother, a daughter, a wife, a wonderful person, and she makes people feel seen and understood. And you're having conversations that need to be had. And we are forever grateful for you. So thank you so much for joining us. so much for creating this opportunity to talk about the stuff that matters. I'm so grateful. And you're awesome, by the way. This was wonderful in so many ways. I feel inspired isn't even the right word. I just, I feel very understood. And please tell us where we can go to support you, to support your work. Tell everyone links, websites, everything. Absolutely. Um, my name, AlexisJones.com is where everything lives. Um, but for social media, it's at Alexis Jones. And um, yeah, there are links to my books, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Penguin Random House and anywhere the books are sold. And ideally, you go to your local bookstore if you're going to get yes. I Am That Girl or Joy Hunter. Wonderful. Well, everyone, go buy the books. Uh, increase your happiness and joy. And keep up with Alexis and all the good edifying work she is doing. Thank you all so much for joining us on The Shift. Don't forget to subscribe. And we will see you next time. Music.